0: Hello and welcome to the Everyday People podcast. My name is Vephav and thank you so much for listening in. If you've never heard a podcast before, listen to it while you're doing something else. Now, it's been a while since I published an episode, I think two or three weeks, and I'm back with new music and a new energy to do this. This episode took me a long time to put out and I don't know why, I mean, it. I, I don't know, there was something about this particular episode that was stopping me from publishing it. Um, maybe it was work pressure. I mean, I've been pressured the last couple of weeks to do a lot of Toastmasters work as well as a lot of uh, office work. So But but I feel like I could have made time to publish this episode. There was something hold me, holding me back. Anyway, uh, this was a very nice conversation with a lady named Sangeeta um she is a literature professor and we spoke for about 30 to 45 minutes i think 45 that's a big range we spoke for 45 minutes um and there were a lot of technical issues in the middle but i tried to cut out all of that as much as possible so uh please enjoy and if you do listen to the end uh, let me know what you enjoyed by leaving a comment wherever you are thank you so much for listening in and now we're going to move to the interview Okay, so uh, let's start. My first question always is, who are you? What do you do? And what is your current side project?
1: Who am I? I'm not going to label myself. Mm -hmm. I'm a woman who's that's also a label. But yeah, I'm, I'm a teacher. Basically, I teach English literature, and I'm an artist and an amateur poet. My side project right now on Instagram is to look at uh, cities and to see how it presents itself, basically.
0: Okay, so I'll go into my second question. Let's discuss that. Let's unpack that a little bit. Uh, What do you mean by how cities present themselves? Tell me more about this project and uh, what what excites you about it and what you're hoping to learn
1: from it. So basically, when I um, when you go on the internet or when you ask a person about what their city is, your uh, typical answer would be, you know, a rehash of the famous monuments here or famous personalities who come from the city. Most of the time, it's never about uh, the common man or how the life in the city is. Yeah. Most of my photos uh, that I've put up on Instagram is just. Taken from uh, when I'm going on buses or in autos, it's just a normal city and you how it you know, looks to the common eye without all its trappings. Right. Okay. Yeah.
0: So, well, we're rushing through this, which is great for me because I had to transcribe less. Uh, but uh, my third question is you said you're an English teacher and an I'm a um What got you into teaching? Because I, I myself, I'm thinking about getting into training and uh, what kind of satisfaction do you derive from teaching and tell me maybe about one or two students of yours that you're really happy with or impressed with.
1: Huh. So I worked for a very short time at uh, Jain Engineering College in Bangalore. Uh, and there I met a few people who have stayed with me throughout uh, like Manas and Neil, both who did not want to accept that they wrote poetry or did not want to accept that what they wrote was poetry. And through a lot of conversations and discussions, we came to a conclusion that they did write. And one of them actually went on to win a prize for his poems. And uh, I think that's a, it's a brilliant feeling when you see your students excelling at a field that they never thought they were, you know, Accomplish enough to enter in the first place, and uh, it gives me jitters when I see them perform well or to confront their own demons.
0: Right.
1: Some outside academics, just you know, just apart from all these marks and all that shit that college puts them through, basically. Oh,
0: that's wonderful. So, I mean, okay but how did you know that you wanted to get into teaching uh, was it just a trial and error thing or did you always know
1: not really i think i think in my head i always knew i wanted to do something which uh, you know involved an interaction with people a lot of people right and uh, teaching has, teaching has always been one of my passions my mother is a teacher my uncle is a teacher different fields physics obviously but I was interested more in literature and literature, I think, gave me a lot of interesting ideas to converse with. So I thought what better way to put it into effect than teaching.
0: That's very nice. Okay, so usually my fourth question is about advice. Uh, I ask you for advice, but it's very rare that I get a literature teacher on... (laughs) Okay. So if you had to recommend three pieces of literature, either full books or, or short stories or poems or whatever, if you had to recommend three pieces of literature to improve the quality of your life, which three would be
1: Improve quality of life. Okay. The first recommendation is very easy uh, because he's one of my favorite authors. His name is Milan Kundera. Okay. And, uh, People are not uh, familiar with his writing style because it you know, uh, oscillates between the past and the present, and there's a lot of confusion going on, but when you a- approach the end of the book, uh, you realize that he's imparted a lot of uh, very good advice to you, and most of his statements are very confrontational, like once you read it, you have to put the book down, think for 10 minutes, and then pick it up again. Right. So that was one of the books I would recommend. And um, when it comes to Indians, I think I would recommend Kamala Das any day. The poetry of Kamala Das. Um, she is a feminist. She was a feminist. She's not here right now. And she writes brilliantly about how uh, oppression seeps into all parts of your life.
0: Right.
1: She's brilliant. Um, and the third person, can I recommend a genre? Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> okay, the third would always be up to, for people who are interested in literature and want to pick it up, even as a hobby. I would recommend the Russians. The Russians in literature, like the greats, the Tolstoy, Dostoyevsky, and uh, Gorky, and Gogol, and Chekhov. Right. If you not, if you're free, that is.
0: Was Kafka
1: Russian? No. No. Okay. But Kafka is great too. See, that's why you should never ask recommendations from a person without giving them specifics. I will go on and on for a day.
0: It's okay. We have this podcast. So podcasts, generally people tend to talk. So, okay, I'll, I'll tell you this. Um, this is, I think, my seventh or eighth recording of a podcast, mm-hmm. seventh or eighth episode. And um, I'm always afraid about Uh, you know what do I say like what I'm is what I'm saying important enough for it to be recorded but then I listen to other podcasts that I'm a fan of and they're just having conversations they don't
1: make sense
0: they don't care about who's listening they just talk about what they want to talk about and I think that's the best way to approach the podcast so when you say that you can go on for a day I'm, I'm happy to record the entire thing and break it up into three <laughs> <seven> different episodes
1: <laughs> okay fair enough
0: <laughs> so okay uh, let's finish up the interview part uh, my my last question always is mm-hmm. where would you like the audience to go next so this is this is the plug this is if you want to advertise your instagram or something else you can otherwise give the audience an idea that you believe mm-hmm. in, uh, that they should Take up right now. Well, called- I
1: would not mind adver- self-advertisement also. What? I'm on Instagram as Miss Alwar. Ms. Alwar. Ms.alwar, A-L-W-A-R. Right. But apart from that, what I would like everybody to do, which I encourage my students also to do, is to just uh, close your eyes and draw a line. Draw a few lines on a page. And then try to make something creative out of it. I've heard a lot of people who come up to me and say that they're not creative enough or that how do they get up to my level of creativeness? Not that I'm great, by the way. Uh, My advice to you is art is free. Nobody's going to ask you to pay for making art. And everybody is an artist. So if you can make something out of a few lines in a page, then you're way ahead of most of us. So go do that right now. What are you waiting for?
0: Well, that's the end of the interview portion. Thank you so much for answering these yeah. questions again without any preparation whatsoever. Uh, do you want to take a break before we... On the or are you okay right now?
1: I'm fine right now. Okay. I've taken two more classes, so... <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: all right. So you said something very interesting in your last answer that I want to un- unpack a little bit. You... Uh, you said that people come up to you and wish that they were as creative as you, but that was not what was interesting. You immediately said, not that I am very creative.
1: Yeah.
0: So, this this actually, I have this theory about our generation. I call it a generation mm-hmm. of self-depreciation. Where uh, all self-depreciation. Ah. Where we are ah. all brought up by a generation of people who have told us that You know, you're not good enough, stay within the lines. And we've grown up with that self-deprecating style. So you you encourage people to be creative, saying art is free, but you immediately put yourself down when you say that you're not very creative. Um,
1: I understand uh, where that's coming from. And I have uh, probably used the same dialogue a few times. Right. Uh, But... We were also brought up by a generation that believes in ambitions and goals and set, you know, rules and regulations, mm-hmm. right? So when I'm saying that I'm not that great, I think that is, um, if you consider me as a mentor, for example, if you were come up, if you were to come up to meet me today and say I want to be an artist like you, so basically I would assume that you are looking up to me, right? right. So this is my way of consciously engaging you into thinking that, into believing that I am not anything great. Right. I'm not unattainable goal. So when I say that, uh, you know, I'm my, I'm not that creative. I'm not very creative. I'm also saying that, you know, you can be as much as I am and probably more.
0: Right. I've never thought of it that so way. This is- interesting
1: oh, this is us establishing a even playing field or at least as even as we can make it
0: so okay so I I mentor a few people in Toastmasters as well I think it's 12 mm-hmm. or so right now um, and I'm always worried about uh, you know how do I bring more value to them but I always approach it from the fact that okay if they are If they are looking up to me, then it's not that I establish an even playing field. I should become better than them so that I have something to teach them. So aggressive self-experimentation or, you know, thinking up a certain philosophy of speaking or whatever, and then sharing that with them. So, I mean, these are two very different teaching styles that you have and that I have, but it's completely different. Yeah. Because
1: I see teaching.
0: Sorry, please go ahead. Uh,
1: no, no, do you want to go ahead?
0: No, no go
1: ahead. Huh. So I see teaching as, you know, more like a conversation,
0: more mm-hmm. like a
1: dialogue, uh, probably also because I teach literature and I also teach degree students, not anybody, you know, younger than that. Yeah. So when I'm teaching literature, uh, let me give you an example. I generally uh, prefer to go to a gender. I I had to teach gender studies to a to a semester. Okay mister uh, so my quest, first question when I was teaching feminism was what they thought of patriarchy and if they have ever been involved in oppressing somebody else or shaming somebody for their gender right okay, so I don't you know go outright and give them a definition or give them examples where this you know patriarchy has influenced our lives or anything like that. My, it is very simple, so one of the students said. I shamed my brother and called and told him that he was crying like a girl. Mm. And this sort of uh, self revelation only comes when it's a dialogue, at least to me, as as far as I've seen it. Because if it becomes a monologue, if it becomes like imparting knowledge, Mm -hmm. then it becomes very, it becomes a little passive, although that's very important when it comes to other subjects. Uh, When it comes to so, something very you know subtle like this I believe that dialogue is what is more important
0: I agree I mean so um I'm not talking about me monologuing uh, I I think of myself as a solutions provider so I will usually ask people what they want to like in Toastmasters what they want to accomplish and with their next speech what, what they want to talk about and I I build upon the idea that they provide so if for example um, um, can I think of one? Right, so one of my... Uh, hello? hello. Huh? Uh, did, did I cut out?
1: Yeah, it's cutting out little in the middle. Okay. I don't know. I think... My internet's fine though.
0: Mine should be okay as well. I don't know. Anyway, I've cut all this out now. And- <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Have you ever edited a video or a piece of audio?
1: Sorry, no. That's it. Wait, I did. You did? Once on my film studies project. Okay. Yeah, once. How
0: was that experience?
1: Huh, it was fine. It was fun. But we were on a deadline, so it's a shoddy job. I could have done better. <laughs> and I was still learning.
0: I know, like now I've, I've started doing this with, with the podcast and stuff. It's so technical difficulties here because of course so we're going to jump ahead in the conversation and we're going to pick it up back where we could hear each other again okay yeah temperamental facilities (laughs) Uh, okay so we were uh, discussing dialogue versus monologue and teaching so I'll ask yeah. you this, like, uh, do you think there is a space anywhere in the modern world for a monologue style of teaching or has it, have we reached a point where that, that's just not feasible anymore?
1: No, I think, I think all teaching has always been dial uh, in a dialogue form, but uh, when it comes to schools and colleges, like where I studied from PUC, it was the same, it was a monologue right and even when it comes to like digital platforms when you look at uh, for example skillshare it has it is a monologue because there is no space for interaction i mean you listen to the class and then you interact right not during the class so both of them and uh, they work for different situations i guess mm,
0: I, do you find that you learn better in a monologue or in a dialogue
1: for me i learn better in a dialogue because uh, it gives me a lot of space to think for myself and probably apply the same things that I've learned into my practices and see what questions I come up with. Yeah. But uh, I've heard that from friends in engineering and science-related fields that they would prefer a monologue first because they want to listen to the solid theories and all the explanations and then come up with questions. So, I don't know what is perfect for... Yeah, I
0: mean, different things for different people. Um, I find that I'm most... uh, Hello? Hello? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I find that I'm most comfortable uh, in a semi-dialogue format where I start with a monologue. Uh, but in in person only, so I can't learn from Skillshare or from Udemy or whatever because I I just cannot concentrate on the video style of teaching. Uh, uh-huh. But in person, I prefer a monologue and then I ask a few questions here and there just to clarify some. That works best for me.
1: Yeah, that that makes sense too. Most of our college life was like that, right? Yeah. If we were even given time to question in the first place.
0: School and college. <laughs> But let, let's not get into that because this will turn into a school bashing session, <laughs> session which I don't want. Uh, let's talk about your Instagram. You said the project where you are, uh, you know, taking photos of cities and how, what a city presents itself as. Uh, which is the last place you tried to explore?
1: I, I mean, I keep traveling from Mysore to Bangalore and probably uh, around there. Mm-hmm. So it's, uh, And Jaipur, I have recently been to Jaipur. So... I have one picture up, I don't think I have it up on my Instagram yet, but it is of the Hawa Mahal and a parking lot of cars. Right. So it's like completely different images, uh, coexisting together. And I found it to how they, you know, cohabitate there. But uh, what I'm really interested in is what the series that is going to follow this. Which is? which is called people in the city people in the you know something along those lines and it's single line drawings that i've illustrations that i've done on my mm-hmm. sketchbook of just normal people and uh, how they behave how they how it comes out as a single line uh, single line in illustration is very interesting because you don't have the Uh, flexibility to remove your pen off the paper and you know make some adjustment to their eyes or whatever I'm really excited about that it's it's
0: fun isn't it I mean uh, here you are doing people related project like how people behave or how they uh, they move and I'm doing a a people project where I'm talking to people getting their stories and uh, putting it in the podcast and a text format so like and then you've obviously maybe you've heard of Humans of New York. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. And humans she, of New York she, and they're all all yeah,
0: branches. I don't know if they're branches or if they're copycats, but but good on them for doing something people related because it's ultimately that's what matters. We are all living as, you know, a group of people or a group of organisms just trying to cohabitate and coexist. So it's fun that, eh? Yeah,
1: precisely. Yeah, I think it needs to be most, uh, I think art has always been
0: people-centric.
1: You know, it depends on people. It feeds off of people. It's a very parasitic uh, entity in that way. And I think whatever you are doing is also art. Like, (laughs) this is a question that all of us are faced with. Most of us, uh, All the arguments that we've had in my literature class has also been that way. What is literature? What is art? Do we have to classify it in the first place is my question.
0: That's interesting. So I I wrote uh, an article a few weeks ago called What is Art and Why is It So Pretentious? Uh, And um, have you you seen the This Is America video by Childish Gambino? Uh,
1: I saw bits of it. I'm not really into... (laughs) music the popular music scene
0: yeah, so, yeah. uh, so i mean that that music video is just layered with with references and meanings and it's it's a proper like piece of art so i was inspired by that and i was like okay why is art so pretentious to the common eye and uh, the the explanation i came up with was that art is complicated because the ideas it is trying to present are complicated Art is a simplification of very, very complex ideas. Where uh, So for example, oh. like in that video, he's yes. trying to talk about what life is like for a black man in the US. And th- that's a loaded mm-hmm. question. I, okay. hmm. So through these references, he's simplified that concept, even though you can't simplify a concept like this. And that is what I believe art is. What do you think?
1: Um, this is again a very uh, I told you it's a very complicated question for us to even attempt a definition of art but to me I don't think art is complex at all you know it just depends on how you view it for example if I were to uh, okay there is this piece of art I admire call me elitist Mm -hmm. but it's Picasso and uh, the, uh, the name of the piece is called uh, Les Demoiselles d'Avignon. That means the damsels of Avignon. It's a set of prostitutes. I, I think you've seen so it. Of... Uh, five men, four women standing and one crouching, looking at the viewer, basically. Mm, no, I
0: haven't seen this. I'll go check it
1: out. Huh. So when I say art is simple, the format is extremely simple. I mean, you can make art like Picasso. I'm not mm. saying you cannot right but uh, to the common eye uh, i had i had a friend who looked at this painting and said the figures are so grotesque and so ugly why would you call this art right so understanding art is complicated appreciating art need not be complicated how to make art also need not be complicated yeah. uh, this piece is beautiful because This is probably the first establishment of the female gaze. I see. Uh, Yeah. Do you know what the male gaze is? Yes, I I
0: understand at least the basic concept of it.
1: Yeah, so this is the first time that Picasso turned a woman to face the audience with the audacity that men had been for centuries. And it's brilliant. And the power that it exudes is it's, you cannot even imagine how much power it would hold over you if you were to take it seriously. But again, at the same time, when you look at modern paintings like, a, like Rothko, Mark Rothko, it's just a splash of color or Pollock. And most of the people ask, why is this called art? Why would this sell for $3 billion? I think I'm struggling with
0: the same question (laughs) right because I think people uh, who aren't very uh, like again I'm not saying that I'm a deep appreciator of art I cannot name paintings or books like you can but I think a lot of people uh, associate art with beauty and with effort and so when you look at Modernist and postmodernist paintings, where it's just a splash of color, people are like, "Oh, I could have made that." There's no effort here, so why should this be important?
1: Yeah, I think it's a very uh, surfacial understanding of uh, what art is yeah. supposed to be. Uh, you know, like when I look at a painting, even if it is just, even if it's just a plain canvas which is framed, if it gives me some sort of peace, or if if it makes me feel, I think that's all that matters. So basically for me, if you want me to define art, art is anything that makes me feel. It can be a painting. It can be a piece of poetry. It can be a person. Mm. It can be human, living human being. It can be something as... It need not be beautiful. It need not be aesthetic.
0: Right.
1: It could be ugly. It could be you know, a piece of cow dung mm. on the road. But if it is composed beautifully... In
0: a picture, yeah. that's art. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, I'm. I suddenly blanked out. I'm like, okay, I'm following what you're saying, but I like suddenly hmm. blanked out about how do I continue this
1: conversation about. <laughs> we could go to other topics. Uh,
0: do you have something in mind? What's going on with your life?
1: Oh, nothing is going on. I'm between jobs. <laughs> We could talk about how horribly teachers are treated, but let's not get into bitching <laughs> right
0: now. Uh, so that's that's what scares me about. So I've always known that I wanted to be a teacher. I used to tutor my friends when I was in school and college. Uh, but then yeah. when I graduated, I got picked up by Oracle and I've been with Oracle for four years.
1: And what do you I'm do? I'm a
0: technical you? writer. So I write guidebooks, oh, so at least okay. in some format I'm teaching um but, but, but no uh, so the sh- the shift from college which was uh, i i went to christ so
1: Yeah, oh, hey, which
0: what year did you graduate huh i graduated
1: 2007
0: okay i graduated 2014 Wow, okay then. So, right. <laughs> um, so yeah, so I went to Christ. It's just like such a high energy environment, meeting a uh, hundred people every day, talking to a lot of people every day. Then I went to Oracle, which is a very sleepy company where uh, you have nobody. Uh, And, and <laughs> I was in a special place because my teammates were all in the US. I had nobody here. So I was reporting reporting to nobody here, no reason to go to office. And the first six months, they didn't give me any, uh, they, they didn't give me any work either I had to ask for work yeah
1: wow so, people would be jealous I know you. they are and they don't understand how
0: terrible that is <laughs> yeah I
1: know right so I hate that, I hate that. so that's
0: why like, I'm I'm looking to change into either like a consulting or training or teaching or some sort of solutions provi- provision thing so eventually sometime when i b- Bring up the courage, I'll do that. You brought up the courage to quit your previous job, now you're in between jobs. But
1: Oh yeah, my previous job was not at all satisfactory.
0: From a pay perspective or from the work satisfaction perspective?
1: Oh, work satisfaction was amazing. I mean, I will not fault my students, they're amazing. Mm-hmm. But uh, the college environment... <clears throat> Not very productive, not very enthusiastic. So.
0: Yeah, I mean, Indian colleges tend to be like schools where they, they really do.
1: Precisely. Uh,
0: even Christ was the same, right?
1: Uh, to an extent, I think. What did you What did you pursue in Christ? B.S.C.
0: Honours in Computer Science. Huh.
1: So, I don't know. I did my MA from Christ.
0: How are the English teachers in Christ? I, I remember like the couple that I interacted with seem to be very up in uppity about uh,
1: who do you
0: show up now? No, I don't I think Jeremy was there. Do you do you know Jeremy? No, no, no. I think these were all uh, we
1: didn't get any of these mm.
0: people I guess. Again, I have a very little interaction with the, the humanities departments or yeah English department.
1: Uh, No, mine was pretty decent, actually. Like one of the teachers came into class on the first day in the first semester. And said, do not believe in everything I say. Do not agree with me just because I'm your teacher. Question me at every point that you can. Oh, lovely. I know, right? I mean, it gave me goosebumps. It still is. As I'm talking to you, I'm getting goosebumps. Don't you wish
0: that you could open a class with something as powerful as that? I
1: yeah. know, right? It's brilliant, and uh, we've had very good interaction with teachers. But I think most of my learning was from the library, which was huge, and I loved it.
0: I never utilized it much. I think that's a big fault of mine.
1: Yeah, I probably read like three hundred books in my wow,
0: Year's that's that's a lot.
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: dude. Like, I, I haven't read 300 books in the last 10 years, I think. <laughs> <laughs> reading gives you a lot to
1: think
0: yeah. about. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying. I'm Right now, I'm, I'm reading two books. I'm just struggling. I'm what reading uh, The Ted Guide to Public Speaking by Chris Anderson. Um, and I'm reading okay. Dance, Dance, Dance by Murakami.
1: Oh Murakami,
0: all-time favorite. So let me tell you about Murakami. Um, I wanted to know what the hype is. But I was like, about yes. I so huh. I went into a bookstore. This was, I think, four years ago. I went into a bookstore and I oh. said, okay, I'll start with the thinnest books I can find because I'll read them. So I picked up, I picked up after the quake, and uh, uh, birthday stories. And I didn't read either, either of them earlier this year or was it late last year I started reading After the Quake. Have you read it? Hmm.
1: No, I haven't read it. After, after the
0: Quake is a book with six short stories all about people's hmm. uh, experiences after an earthquake has happened in, in Japan, in a city in Japan. I think it was Sapporo. Huh. And it has nothing to do with the earthquake. The earthquake is just a background. Of course. So, but like I read the first story and it was Okay but then I read the second one and it's about this girl who, who, who run away from a family and she's living in a, uh, she's living in a small village and she doesn't really feel anything, but, uh, she goes to the beach because she found somebody there who likes to make bonfires and they both sit down and enjoy a bonfire together. And, and this guy, um, uh, the guy who makes the bonfires, he has this recurring nightmare where he gets trapped in a fridge and his family dies. So, nice. so I mean, at, at first I didn't really understand it, but when I finished reading that story, this was late at night, 11 o'clock oh. or 12 at some time, I started feeling really, really cold suddenly and I started shivering. Mm-hmm. And and then when I lay down, I felt like I was floating. I've never had a reading experience that made me feel that way. And I was like, I understand what the hype yeah. is.
1: Yeah, I know. It's it's seemingly unimportant details and extremely fantastical, you know, yeah. imagery about Murakami. And you don't expect it to exist in real life. But then it just comes and hits yeah. you. I don't know where Japanese art
0: is like another level.
1: Of course. So, so if you like Murakami, you'll definitely like Kundera.
0: Right. Let's yes. see, let me get through this first. I, I, I'm I'm really ashamed of the fact that I don't read enough anymore. So trying to oh,
1: please don't be. Do you use Audible?
0: Sorry. Do you use Audible.com? Do you no. know what that is? No. Okay, so audible.com is, uh, again, audible sponsors a lot of podcasts. So if, if you're listening to this, please sponsor mine as well. Uh, but, but audible is, uh, so it's an Amazon company where they have a lot of audiobooks. I think about 2 lakh audiobooks they have. And so mm-hmm. if for people who don't make the time for reading, they can listen to mm. a book instead while they're driving or while they're doing other things. Mm. I, I don't use the service because it's a little bit expensive, but I, I want to. Eventually, I will because I'll give up on reading and I'll I'll eventually start listening. But I think that's a wonderful way to consume more books if you don't have the patience to sit down and read anymore. Oh, yeah, I mean, it's,
1: a, it's an innovative solution for our uh, lethargy. Mm-hmm. I can see the sarcasm in my voice, I'm sorry. But uh, but I think books are... To me, I would not listen... I have listened to a few audio books and probably a few audio clippings of poetry. Right. But I think the consumption of a book for me is heightened by the fact that I am reading it in my own voice.
0: Same, I agree. That, that's why I don't Half own a agree. Kindle as well. Because like, I the smell of a book like anchors me down in that place so that I can immerse
1: myself. Precisely. Yeah. So when I'm reading, I'm at the same time thinking about how I can relate to it. And this is a very unconscious process. I'm not, you know, stopping at every line and saying, Oh, have I been this? Have I been that? No, but it becomes so, it becomes a yeah. part of you. If you, you know, read regularly. I,
0: right. I, I miss that feeling because there there were, When I was younger, I would uh, finish a book in a night and I would be like, okay, again, I was reading young fiction, but I would finish it in a night because it was so engaging. And now because I'm trying to read more uh, nonfiction, I've never been a nonfiction reader. So now when I'm trying to read self-help or skill building sort of books, it's it's a struggle, which is why I picked up Murakami again. let, Let me read some fiction.
1: Yeah, uh, nonfiction requires a lot. I think
0: audio books are audio are more suitable for nonfiction.
1: Possible because you're not really reading everything; you're trying to understand the essence yeah. of it. When you come to, you know, your, the book that you're reading. Currently. What are you reading currently? Oh my God, I'm reading like five books. I'm a horrible, you know. I don't stick mm. to one book, so I'll be reading three yeah. books at home. Then when I go to work, I'll carry another book. And I'll have two books on my Amazon Kindle mm-hmm. on my phone. <laughs> Currently, I'm reading the poetry by Jeet Thail. Have you Hello. heard of Jeet Thail? Ah, he's he's brilliant. I would At the end of this, I'll probably want to read out one small poem to you. Yeah, sure okay with that.
0: Again, no no limits on what so, you want to do. This is your podcast episode.
1: So, yeah, I'm reading Jeet Thail. I'm reading a book by Milan Kundera called Immortality. Uh-huh. And I'm reading a collection of poetry curated by Arundhati Subramaniam. It's called Worshipping. It's called uh, this one. It's called a book, Eating God. Eating God. So she looks at all bhakti poetry that that's come out of India, which deals with God in a very unconventional right. way. For example, if you were to take Meera. Uh, Meera? Meera mm-hmm. Bai, Her Krishna was a lover. He was not a god. Yeah. So, how unconventional and completely, you know, subversive writing is about something that's supposed to be devotional. Mm. I had the fortune of meeting her at the Jaipur Literature Fest, yeah. which was brilliant. So, I'm reading these books.
0: Dude, I have so much penis envy right now. Do you know what penis envy is? I know <laughs> so I, I'm like she reads so much, and she's so well educated. Where are you? what are you doing with your life?
1: <laughs> don't do don't say I that know, I, know. I I had a similar experience also, last year yeah. Got it. Got it. Penis envy is the envy of a woman wanting to have a penis because she wants to is become that
0: right? a man. Oh okay. Then I'm I was yeah. thinking of something else. I was thinking of a man. Uh I don't know what it's called then. A man envious of another man's penis' size.
1: Oh, okay. That is I think that's just, just plain jealousy. But I'll see if I can find a technical yeah. word for it. I that. mean,
0: envy is a good word, but uh, So I had a similar experience last year. I was interviewing somebody. Uh, She's this lawyer in Sri Lanka, 42 years old. And okay. she fights uh, against gender-based violence. And so like she, as I was into, this was before I started podcasting. So I was interviewing her in text. And, you know, she's telling me all these things that she's done. And she's telling me about these stories of, these particular stories of people. And I felt like so small afterwards. And I told her this because I'm very open that way. I told her, I feel so small talking to you because you're such an amazing person. And I'm ashamed of the fact that I can't bring your story to a lot more people because like 10 people see my blog. So, and she's like, no, I'm, uh, you know, you'll be fine. And uh, I'm 42 and you're young. You'll be like, you'll do more things. But like, when I talk to people like you and people like, Wherever I see somebody who's doing better than me, I, f- I feel that both the motivation and the um, the sadness that I could be doing better.
1: True, but let me tell you one small thing. I mean, this triggered a lot of thought in me. The fact that you said you feel small and also motivational. I'm not ignoring that, but uh, some of my friends... And my students are always obsessed with this, you know, the fact that somebody else is doing better. Right. Okay. But you have to recognize and acknowledge the fact that somebody else will always be doing better. One. Two, but just because somebody is doing better doesn't mean you're not doing anything. The only way to progress is to accept that where you are right now is the best place that you could be at this present moment uh, i know i might sound very no strange. no no
0: this is therapy for me it's fine <laughs>
1: <laughs> like if you always indulge in uh, in thinking that okay somebody is doing better i don't think you will ever find the time to sit down and appreciate what all Agreed. you have done this
0: is uh, I, this, uh, this has become a lot more mild for me i used to be worse But uh, I started going through depression like four years ago and I've dealt with that now. Uh Because of that, I've become a better person, less worried about how others are, uh, you know.
1: I'm really glad. Not that you went through depression. But No, I'm I'm
0: glad that I went through depression. It's the best thing that happened to me. It's
1: very refreshing to hear somebody say that.
0: Good. I hope that I hope if you ever go through that, it'll be a positive experience for you as well.
1: Thank you, but I I don't think I will. I think this is very presumptuous of me saying that. No, good for you.
0: <laughs> if you're that confident that you'll be fine, great. Less people that suffer from it, the better. But uh, anyway, yeah. it's been a big growth spurt for me these last two years. I used to be really short tempered. And uh that's what caused the end of my previous relationship as well. So getting rid of that temper has been the best.
1: I think that's a very good point. Yeah. I think how you deal with problems uh, you know makes you as makes you the person that you are going to become. Hmm.
0: Well, that's the end of this topic. Let's switch to something else.
1: Uh what do you think
0: about poetry poetry i used to write it a bit but i never really understood it and uh, i'm i'm i feel i'm the sort of person who does better with a direct approach which is why i prefer prose but i understand say, uh, the same idea behind poetry is that it takes complex ideas and presents them simply in a in a manner that makes you feel something like you said so, I don't read a lot of poetry anymore. Never my thing. Uh, can you just hold one minute? And a- yeah, sure. Oh, my mother is here.
1: Okay. Hi, Ma. Hi, auntie. <laughs> Two minutes, ma. Ha. Ah no i I like poetry I've always admired poetry because to me it leads something to your imagination yeah. there's a lot of associative thinking going on there
0: right i mean hmm let me think about that yeah i mean <laughs> everything is like referential in poetry not everything
1: but like Precisely. but a lot of it ah but when it comes to straight fiction or you know prose mm. it's not um, it gives you a goal and you when once you're done with that reading you probably understood most of it of course there's a lot of associative reading but not as much as poetry not to me at least and
0: right. well, hopefully i'll reach that point where i i, I start reading a little more poetry uh, but right now
1: ah, most people that i have come across Hate poetry because they think it's only by Shakespeare and Wordsworth.
0: I have a friend uh, who who recently delivered her first poetry performance. If you are interested in performing poetry, I can connect you to her.
1: Bangalore.
0: Yeah, Bangalore.
1: Mm, I would love that. I I I uh, went to Ata Galata in Kormangala and I I read out a poem of my mm-hmm. own two months ago. Did they, did they record no. it and
0: make it a video? That, that... No, no, no.
1: It was just on the spot. Hmm. Hmm.
0: Yeah, but then you seem, I mean, from again, we are strangers. This is the first time I've ever, ever spoken to you. But you come across as a sort of person who would be a fantastic performer. Especially of poetry. So I think that will be something fun for you to do. So, I'll, I'll do that. I'll connect you to my friend. Her name is Sanjita. Uh, I'll connect both of you and you should go perform.
1: I would love that.
0: Well, I think... How long have we been talking?
1: Oh, let me see. This has been 31 minutes. I think we spoke for another like 15 minutes before. Not
0: bad, dude.
1: I know. Yeah, forty-five minutes.
0: Uh with a stranger, it'll be better if we were in person. Maybe, maybe you can come back on a different episode. I'll come to you with my mic setup and everything. I also live in Bangalore, so I'll come to you with the whole setup and everything, and we can sit down and talk in person.
1: Perfect. I would also like to meet you. If that's possible. Hmm. Do I do I come across
0: as very interesting? You come across as a very open person
1: who's. Was really interested in actually talking. Yeah. You know? thank you. Which is very rare. <laughs> <laughs> Most people want to flaunt whatever they've accomplished. Just, you know, say fuck off and <laughs> get out yeah. of there. But
0: well, but again, so I'm I'm running out of topics. I could we could just keep going, but your mom's also home. Uh, how about I continue this conversation with you in text? We'll end the podcast here. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me. I really enjoyed this.
1: Same here. Thank you for approaching me. and yeah. Rakshita.
0: We'll go thank her both. Yeah. Okay, bye.
1: Hanji. Bye-bye.